In this universe, we look at a lot of things like failure is not such a bad thing. You're not failing, you maybe you're not trying hard enough. Welcome to Ending Pending. I'm your host, Andy. I'm here, I'm queer, and my back pain is moderate to severe, and I'm Evan. I'm, uh, missing, missing my good, good olive boy. And I'm Ronnie. Ending Pending is a podcast where we discuss television shows which have only lasted for a single season. We're currently covering Netflix's Everything Sucks. Before we get into that, I have a bit for us. The bit, the weekly bit, the weekly bit that is the balm for our souls. Please deliver the bit unto us. What's the bit? Deliver the bit. So we're all '90s kids here. Evan, you're you're a very old man. I'm an old man. Ronnie and I are the exact same age, yeah. which is just the funnest trivia. Um, what time were each of you born? Incidentally, no idea. Andy, Andy Do you know does what not time know. You were born? I, I I was born at uh, at nine ten a.m. What if I was born at ten oh nine? Whoa! PM. That we we'd be like the inverse of right. Each other. Anyway, got to figure out when you were born, Andy. Well, yeah, let's, let's, gee, let's if only there was someone I could ask. <laughs> you don't have your birth certificate? It's on your birth certificate. I don't think I have my birth certificate. Should I have oh, that? Yeah, you should, you should get, get that get birth that. certificate, yeah. Andy. You need that for things in life. It, don't I have like a file, a filing cabinet somewhere? A you do. File? Yes. It might be in there. Maybe I it's keep in there. All of your documents in a file yeah, for you. Yeah, you're smart. Yeah. Yeah. And the combination lock to get in is one, two, three, four. Anyway, I'll I'll find that birth certificate. It's no big deal. Uh, Everything's fine. That's not the bit. The bit is not Andy's birth certificate. The bit is, as 90s kids, we grew up in a weird time. And we're kind of the nostalgia generation. There's, There's like... There's been studies and papers written about how, like, we we feel nostalgia more because things changed real quick. I feel like we have a lot of uh, Gen Z listeners. We have some millennial listeners and some Gen Z listeners. I want to impress upon our Gen Z listeners that millennials were the last group of children to grow up with no concept of the Internet. We didn't have PCs in our homes, you know. I just feel wild. Yeah, yeah. So it's weird. just try to keep that in, in your perspectives when you think about millennials and why we're sad all the time and why nothing makes sense to us. We're sad because we didn't get the Internet until our teens. Well, <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm saying we sat. We're sad because we lived through this uh, like seismic cultural paradigm shift where like everything about the very nature of society shifted when the internet came into existence. I did. I didn't have a smartphone till my last year of college. Yeah. And so we're just straddling this, this divide, this gap of like incredible cultural significance. And we feel lost and adrift in the world because we were, we were, uh, a chasm opened beneath us in our adolescence. I don't think I had a cell phone till junior year of high school. I had to ask people to borrow their phone to call yep. my mom for a ride. I think that, yeah, I think that's about yeah. when I got a cell phone. It was just one of those Nokia phones. You know, you could only yeah. type numbers to make co- calls. It didn't, like, have a it didn't do anything screen else. Yeah. Anywho, my bit is, what is something that you remember from the 90s? That no one else does. Oh, I answered this like two episodes ago. <laughs> well, then you have to pick something else. Yeah, no, but I it's, will. It's always fun to like be hanging out with friends and be like, oh, you know, street sharks. And they're like, what the fuck? And you're like, you know, street sharks. It was like the TMNT ripoff, but they they rollerbladed and they were shark men. And you can find weird porn about it. And <laughs> everyone's like, wait, what? And you're like, you know, the, the street shark porn? No? Oh, okay. But, like, street sharks were a thing, but no one remembers it. But anyway, what's something like that? Or pogs, you know? Oh, I had pogs. Pogs were I, great. I didn't have pogs, but I, I had a lot of friends who had pogs, which is basically my, my 90s experience. I'm just like, I did not have this thing, but I knew that they existed. Crazy Bones? Crazy Bones. I didn't I have No one remembered Crazy Bones. Too. Yeah, I had Crazy Homies. Bones. Homies. James... 
James Bones was my favorite crazy bone. I don't remember any of their names. I just remember, again, I did not have them, but my my cousins did. I feel like Garbage Pail Kids were in there somewhere, too. That might have been a late 80s thing. I don't know. I I, I definitely collected them in the aughts. Okay. Um, anybody remember that this might, this might be late 80s too. Anyone remember the, the television program Zoobly Zoo? I don't think so. I, I, I really think I may have Berenstein Bears this because like no one has heard of Zoobly Zoo ever. It was just furries. It was just grown, grown men and women in furry costumes. Um, and they were just like, they played as people in the town and there was like, Builder Beaver, and uh, they were just that's the only name I can remember. He was a builder, um, and it was just yeah, it was just very uh, public access television y with uh, bad jokes. Nope, I googled it, it's very upsetting. Yeah, it's very upsetting. Yeah, it's not great. I thought oh, for a second about wow. doing this, I, I thought for a second about doing Zoobly Zoo. I remember that bird person. Yeah, oh. yeah. I remember that. I don't had, remember anything about this show, but that bird person is familiar to me in some way. It had uh, Ben Vereen, Broadway actor Ben Vereen, as uh, Mayor Ben. He was like the heavyweight on there. Big cats on Broadway energy. Yeah, yes, definitely. Yes, yes. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, it was it was a PBS uh, show, and uh, I watched so much of it, and would get lots and lots of tapes from the library of Zoobly Zoo. You know what theme song slaps from the nineties? Was that Gola Gola Island? Gola Gola that was a great. I theme always song. have the theme song stuck in my head, like nonstop. I'm always just like. Mm, it's very good it's good uh no one ever remembers bananas in pajamas do y'all remember bananas in pajamas yeah okay ronnie's got bananas in pajamas pajamas are are coming down down the stairs stairs. That was one. That's one. I don't know. They were a part of a pro. Like, like, they, the show was not called Bananas in Pajamas. The Bananas Wasn't in it? Pajamas were like a segment of the show, and I cannot for the oh, life really? of me remember what that show was. Yeah. I think there may have been Are a you? spinoff that was like a solo. <laughs> the Bananas in Pajamas went solo. But um, but no, I think originally they were just like a part, a segment of uh, a, a larger show. Really? Do you remember the rat that said... Trust me, I'm a rat. No, that, 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 that is unfamiliar. <laughs> uh, yeah, bananas in pajamas is a clear memory that I have. Also, mm-hmm. um, so there was this, uh, like, and I have found this on the internet, uh, but there was a series of like children's documentary programs uh, that I would get on VHS from the library. And the intro to these documentary programs was a a camera sort of zooming through a very early CGI white walled museum with lots of animals running through it. It was, um, I believe the brand was like eyewitness, uh, like eyewitness TV or something like that. But they were like nature documentaries that existed and there was like some there were some history ones too i i seem to vaguely remember there being one about like the the romans invading britain and they were like targeted at children so i like found the intro sequence on tumblr recently (laughs) and it sent me wow the journey it sent me on as i was watching the intro Zooming through this, it was very early, like, 3D modeling, so it was, like, this white hallway that you were zooming through, and there were, like, basically television screens on the walls where, like, documentaries were happening, and there was, like, a parrot flying through... Oh, I uh, definitely remember this. I definitely remember this. And there was a camel walking through one of the, the blank white hallways... Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it will oh, awaken no. a memory in you if you think yeah. about it long enough. That's definitely a thing. Google eyewitness VHS or something like the that. Fact, eyewitness the fact, VHS intro. The fact that it's called eyewitness and Andy will back me up on this. It feels like it's vaguely Christian. 
Like it would have been a product, yeah. like a, like a toy that you would have gotten. You, like you get the eyewitness VHS at your local Chick Fil A. I could be wrong because I wasn't as perceptive about this sort of thing when I was a child, but I don't think that it was. I they think just, that was just like you know the the name of the series of sure. documentary programs meant to you know be educational content for children. Because I remember. I remember there being some history documentaries and I remember them mm. being like mostly nature documentaries about like, Oh, the, the parrots of the Amazon or, or whatever. How could anyone believe that these beautiful parrots were once single celled organisms? Wait, no <laughs> impossible. <laughs> these beautiful parrots are evidence of the existence of God. God reveals himself to us through his creation. One more, Dragonflies. Anybody remember Dragonflies? The television show about the, like, there were cities on hot air balloons and the main characters, like... Sounds expensive to film. No, no, it was an animated TV show. Okay. And the main characters uh, rode on dragons, but also had, like, glider wings that they would fly on. I remember toys of this. Yeah, I they think... They had, like, the, 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 the pull-string toy where the dragonfly would, like, go in the air and then, like, propel her like, down. Hmm. See, I was given the girl version of this. Sure. So well, I had the I had the Barbie, uh, like, spinny, fly-y here, helicopter here. toy that was very dangerous for yes. children's eyes. Here, here's yeah. the thing. That was, I believe, those dragonfly toys were from McDonald's. So there was definitely a boy version and a girl version. Like, literally, yeah. they would have asked in the car for your Happy Meal, was, yes. is it a boy or a girl in the car? Which oh, of course, wild. they spell dragonflies with yeah, a Z. Yeah, with a Z. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow, they're how, strange. How about, how about big bad Beetleborgs? No idea what the fuck that no? is. Yeah, oh, I Annie, that. I feel like this would be right up your alley. Big bad Beetleborgs were a Power Rangers knockoff, um, where like they turned into like beetle themed, like, like Lycra suit fighters. But then when they weren't like fighting crime in their suits, they went back to a haunted uh, house that was occupied by literal Dracula, literal mummy, literal Frankenstein's monster. And like, that was like their, their hang spot was they would go back and hang with like the universal movie monsters. Well, that's fun. It was very fun. I'm going to rattle off some stuff for our evangelical listeners. <laughs> um, the Hanna-Barbera, the greatest adventure stories, uh, which was like these three kids, uh, time travel to like Bible stories. Mm. Um, I recently found them on YouTube and I watched the Noah's Ark one and it's fucked. It is so fucked. These like two, these like three modern day kids like join Noah and his family. Cause Noah's like, I sense that you're good people. God's going to kill everyone, but us goodies. <laughs> and then like, while the people are banging on the outside of the Ark and drowning, uh, the kids are like, it's a shame they're sinners. We have to let them drown. And it's like, oh my God, Hanna-Barbera, <laughs> please stop. <laughs> uh, but the, anyway, the greatest adventure stories is, uh, is something. Um, McGee and me, uh, Chatter I, the Chipmunk, okay. and Extreme Days. Those are all extremely 90s early aughts Christian evangelical entertainment uh, that that left impressions on me. I really hated McGee and me. No, McGee and me no, I, lo- I liked me. I liked McGee and me. I hated Chatter the Chipmunk. I hated yeah. Chatter the Chipmunk. Fuck, fuck Chatter the Chipmunk. Um, some fun ones are the Mighty Ducks cartoon that no one seems to remember, but I think they just put it on Disney Plus. And does it have, does it have John Candy? Uh. I feel no, like there's, he, a, there's a he might have been dead by then. Sure, probably. But he or the Muddy Duck cartoon is about anthropomorphic ducks in space that fight evil with hockey, with like mm. space hockey. Yeah, that's not what I thought. I never saw this, but I've definitely heard of it. And I'm aware of it, it. It left an impression on me because the main character dies in the first episode, and it turns out he's not the main character, and like his 
his lieutenant is the main character then. Damn. But I remember being a kid and being like, this is so adult. This is so edgy. They killed that duck. They killed that hockey playing duck. Some um, attack on Titan energy. My my main thing, the whole the whole reason why I wanted to talk about this though, the whole reason I brought this up was Tony Cinnamon Crunchers. Ronnie, um, does that does that mean anything to you? Tony Cinnamon Crunchers. <clears throat> I feel like it rings a faint, faint bell, but I may be reaching real far for that. Tony Cinnamon Crunchers was a was a a, a, a spin-off of Frosted Flakes. So the Tony in Tony Cinnamon Crunchers sure. is Tony the Tiger. And it's his new extreme cereal that like couldn't be under the Frosted Flakes brand, so it became like Tony's. And it was their version of Cinnamon Toast Crunch, but like way fucking better. When it get as soggy as 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 uh the 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 Cinnamon Crunch did, because Tony was like a buff jacked tiger and like he made sure that the flakes didn't get as soggy. <laughs> And it was the best goddamn cereal. I ate the cereal every fucking day and it was so good and I loved it so much. And then they discontinued it. And then years later, I'm talking about like Andy is in college now. I was in the supermarket and I saw in the cereal aisle, Tony the Tiger and a box that said cinnamon. And I was like, fuck, it's back. They brought it back. They brought it back for me. And I bought it and the name was different. It was cinnamon, cinnamon frosted flakes. And I was like, well, I, they probably just changed the name because the brand recognition of Frosted Flakes, but it's got to be the same cereal. And I took it home and I opened it and I poured a bowl and it wasn't. It sucked. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. shit. Cinnamon Frosted Flakes is bullshit. And the Tony Cinnamon Crunchers from like the late 90s, early 2000s was the best fucking cereal and no one remembers it. No one but me. I'm cursed. I'm cursed with the knowledge of how good that cereal was. I don't remember. I mean, I feel like we could do a whole episode of just like breakfast cereals that like <laughs> m- left an impact on us that don't exist and, exist and anymore, are, yeah. have been jettisoned from the the popular <sighs> conscious that that's a that's a that's a uh, empty bowl uh little little we can we can send I, that to justin mcelroy and then seriously.com I'm, I'm just cursed to remember how good that cereal was and right. no one can share my my suffering or my pain if you remember Tony Cinnamon Crunchers fucking tweet at me. I know, like, we jokingly are like, oh, tweet at us. But, like, I don't really mean it. Like, anytime I say that on the show, I don't actually want you to tweet at me. Uh, but, like, if you remember that goddamn cereal, tweet, if you have a box of it, if you have an unopened box, let me know. For, hey, for the uh, record, I do want you to tweet at us when I do <laughs> all that bullshit at the end of the episode. That is, that is so that you do tweet at I me. Mean, don't listen to Andy. I would I, w- I would very much like for you to tweet at us. You can uh, tweet at us whenever, y'all. Yeah, you can't you know, just tweet at us. You don't have to tweet at Andy. You can tweet at me. I'm, yeah. I'm not that active on Twitter, but I'll do my best. Um, uh, talk to me about Tony Cinnamon Crunchers, please. Or if you remember any of the things I mentioned, or, yeah, or that I mean, any of us I'm mentioned, sh- let sh- us know. I'm sure yeah. we, are, we are going to awake a lot of nostalgia and a lot of people going, what the fuck? Um... <laughs> What's so. Chatter the Chipmunk? Don't Google chat. Don't YouTube chat Chatter the Chipmunk. There's uh, parts of the Wild West Chatter special on YouTube. It's bonkers. It's fucking bonkers. If you want to see the weird shit I grew up with and why I am the way I am, watch those Chatter Wild West special. You get into Bible Man? This- oh. I fucking hated Bible Man because he was a knockoff of Batman and he was a knockoff of Star Wars and it made me really mad. Mm. And uh, like even as a kid, I was like, no, that's bullshit. Star Wars is better. Uh, I did really love how James Gunn made fun of Bible Man in Super, which is uh, there's a Bible superhero based on Bible Man played by Nathan Fillion, who's like oh, that's, super horny. That's fun. And uh, it was it was like you didn't quite get the joke if you didn't experience Bible Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't have any vines into this. I only bring it up because they mentioned it on Apocrypha Pals recently. But apparently, Carmen the 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 evangelical children's music creator guy died like a week ago. I know he was active throughout the 90s. I'm sure his career spanned much his, longer than that. His multiple but. fake cancer uh, give me money so that I can punch cancer and the devil in the in the dick. Uh, I guess finally caught up with him. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he was genuinely elderly at this point. Oh, well, um, well, yeah. I mean, but he's been fighting 
the literal real devil for like 30 years now. Yeah, so. also Jews. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he really didn't like Jews. Yeah. Uh, he wrote a song about how Trump is a prophet as well. So like, he's not a good dude. He also faked cancer multiple times. So like, he's not a good dude. Uh, yeah. I went to a Carmen live show once though. That was an experience. He fought the devil on stage. <laughs> he brought Shoot. the literal Christian devil out on stage and beat the shit out of him. I mean, you would think dope. that would be the end of it. You know what I mean? Like it's done. It's, it's over. We have, we have conquered evil because of Carmen. Uh, Oh, uh, the Power Squad, that was a thing. They came to our church. Uh, the I'm Donut familiar Man, with Power Squad, but I don't. Donut Man came to our church. Christian-specific media is just really unfortunate. It's bonkers, yeah. I gotta, look, I know that uh, incredible creativity can come out of even the strangest of places, but I have yet to see a, a Christian programming thing that is good in the context of all of the other things. There's one good Christian movie that I've ever seen. I mean, I fondly remember Extreme Days. It's probably not very good. Dante Bosco's in it. And, like, Dante Bosco's great. But, um, believe me, was it an actual good Christian movie? And Christians hated it. Christians fucking hated Believe Me. And it was good. It's a good movie. You could watch that movie as someone who's not a Christian and be like, oh, that was a perfectly fine, low-budget, shoestring budget movie. Like, it it had a point, and it was good. Uh, fucking, um, the dude with the mustache. I want to say Ron Perlman, but that's not right. No, Ron I mean, Perlman is Hellboy. Yeah, not Hellboy, but the dude with the mustache who from Parks and Rec. Oh, he has that uh, crafting show. Oh, uh, Nick Offerman. Uh, Nick, Nick, Nick Offerman. Offerman's in Believe Me. The dude who plays Shooter McGavin's in it. Like, it's got, like, real actors in it. And it's a good movie. But Christians hated it. And it's the, literally the only good thing Christians in modern day, like, media have ever fucking made. We should probably talk Fuck about Fuck them. Guy. They're ungrateful. Oh, okay. <laughs> we should probably talk about the show that we're here to talk about because we've been going on for like 20 minutes. If you saw Believe stuff. Me, tweet at me. It's yep. it's a good movie. I'm <laughs> not a, a Christian anymore, and I'll still say it's a good movie. Is this a real tweet at me, or is this a, a performative yeah, tweet at clarify. me? Clarify. Yeah. That's my secret, Cap. <laughs> I always want them to tweet at me. Uh... Okay, let's talk about the show. Let's talk about about the show. Big Bad Beetleborgs. Big big Bad Beetleborgs. Look, just watch the last two episodes. Like, like you've been here. You've been following along. You've been watching at home. We watched the last two. Yeah, guys, watch this show. It's a good show. show. Each one's only... Real good show. Each one's only, like, 20-some-odd minutes long, and there's only 10 episodes, and it's really worth your time. It's really good. Um, We're, like, we're, we're not concerned about showing our hand anymore we're just up front about how we feel about this show uh so we watched the last two episodes nine and ten uh nine is entitled my friends have been eaten by spiders that's not what happens in the episode um so you will recall from last time uh all the youngins the the av club and the remainder of drama club were out at uh dominguez rocks they were filming the last scene of their big movie uh, on the way back, Kate tried to, uh, get Luke to meet his dad, and that didn't go good, and Luke's very emotional, he comes back very upset, he's been having a hard time, he's been dealing with some shit, and, uh, they return home presumably, like, a few hours earlier than they had been scheduled to, and, uh, Luke catches his mom and Ken, and they're not, like, banging but they're they're having like an intimate silly moment they're in luke's house like hanging out in luke's mom's bedroom like laughing and uh luke flips out he gets very mad at his mom for keeping secrets from him he gets very mad at ken for being close to his mom he's he's dealing with a lot of complicated emotions so he gets incredibly upset uh, Ken tries to sort of deal with this in a calm, rational way. Uh, Sherry is torn, uh, Luke's mom, Sherry, is torn about how to deal with it. And, uh, 
ultimately she decides like, wow, my, my kid is really upset. I guess the only right thing for me to do is to like call this relationship off. So she calls Ken, uh, Kate overhears this, uh, Ken is heartbroken. Kate is very upset that her dad is so heartbroken over this whole thing. And then Luke sort of carries this anger with him back to school as he's like trying to, uh, promote and edit the movie that he has been making with his friends. Um, Kate wasn't there uh, when Luke had his blow up, but she infers that Luke had something to do with Ken and Sherry breaking up. Um, so she confronts him. He's being a real jerk to everybody. Cause again, he's going through some stuff. He's being a real jerk to all his friends. Everyone's noticing that he's not like coping with something. Well, so she takes him out to a bridge and she explains to him that, um, her mother committed suicide on that bridge. And that's why her dad is single and she doesn't have a mom now. And she uses this, to impress upon Luke that it's very important to her that her dad be happy and it's unfair of Luke to be reacting this way to their parents dating just because he's going through some stuff. Uh, also, there's... Uh, the, the thing with Emmeline when... Uh, Emmeline and Kate were in the hotel room together. Uh, Emmeline brings it up again while they're sitting alone in a hallway, and they both kind of admit that they actually have feelings for each other in, like, a gay way, like, in an actual real gay way. Uh, and they sort of get interrupted. They're at school, you know, they're teenagers, so they, they don't have very long to dwell on this, but they acknowledge their feelings for each other. And um, for some reason, I don't remember exactly, McQuaid is convinced that Emmeline has a crush on him. I think she's just being nice to him because she's in a good mood because she has a, a big, big crush on Kate. Uh, but he he is convinced that Emmeline is in love with him. Um... Episode 10, Luke is processing all the stuff that Kate told him about her mom, and he uh, decides to make some, like, last-minute editorial changes and do some reshoots for the movie that he's working on. Uh, so they, they have the movie screening, and... Uh, What's her name? Leslie, the, the, the dorky girl, uh, he gets her in on this plan to like, kind of get his mom and Ken back together. She's being an usher and she's instructed to seat them together. And, um, we, we, the audience and the students are kind of like experiencing the movie at the same time. And, uh, the original, plot of the movie is that, uh, uh, Emmeline's character, uh, dumps Oliver's character and goes back to Earth with an Earthling, at thus resolving their star-crossed romance, but he changes it in such a way that, um, the, the Earth hero at the end is like, no, it's not right for us to be together, we're, we're from different worlds, and you'll always... Uh, I, I love you very much, but you'll always be, uh, whatever species your alien species is, and I'll always be a human, and we, we can't survive in each other's worlds, but we can always care about each other from afar, and so on and so forth. And, um, Kate realizes that Luke has sort of changed the story to be kind of an allegory about them, and that this is Luke, like, letting go of his attachment to her because he he realizes that she's a lesbian and even though he's kind of in love with her, he needs to like, let her be who she is. Uh, so she gets, uh, she, he, 
He, of course, as everyone who's ever made a creative project can relate to, is instead of watching the movie, is pacing out in the hallway while everyone else is watching the movie. So uh, he and, and Kate have a, you know, a good friend tender moment out in the hallway where they they finally come to, like, fully understand each other. Uh, Luke through this, like, gesture of, like, getting Sherry and Ken, like, seated together and sharing popcorn together and something kind of signals his approval of their relationship. And, um, after the, the movie, which everyone enjoys and thinks is creative and funny, uh, Kate and Emmeline have a romantic kiss, and it's very good. Uh, McQuaid sees them and realizes that he is not the object of, um, Emmeline's affection. Uh, Kate and Luke and Ken and Sherry go back to one of their houses and in the very, well, at the after party, Kate almost comes out to her dad and gets interrupted, like, just before she, she quite gets to saying it. And then at their house afterwards, uh, somebody rolls up on a motorcycle. And I thought it was Oliver, but it's actually uh, Luke's father just turning back up. And then that's the end. That's the end of the whole everything. There's no second season, so we never know what's going to happen. It was it was devastating. I, I desperately wanted there to be another episode. Yeah. For sure. Hey, Andy. That's me. It's you. <laughs> we watched two whole episodes to cap off Netflix's Everything Sucks. Did they work for you? Yeah. 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 Hey, Evan. Hey, hey Evan. Hey, Evan. Oh. Yeah. Oh, hey, guys. Hey. Did these... Two episodes of this pineapple. What? <laughs> that wasn't a pineapple. <laughs> Evidently, you two should have been doing this game this whole time. <laughs> Doesn't We're, it feel great, Ronnie? It does feel pretty Doesn't good. Doesn't it feel good? It does feel good. Um, you do need a third person involved to really throw it off the rails, though. I agree. Um, did these episodes work for you, Evan? Yeah, they did. They were really good. This whole show was good. These episodes were particularly good, even in this good show. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, yeah. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, yeah. Hey, Ronnie. Yeah. Do we have to do the call and response this no, time? No, we don't. Okay. <laughs> uh, did these two episodes work for you, Ronnie? They did. They certainly did. It was a very good conclusion. Very satisfying. Um, and let's get yeah, right into it. Was into a cliffhanger, that. and I wanted more. I know. I know. I mean, that is like it's 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 more heartbreaking because we've seen shows where it's like they kind of wrapped it up fine. Like there were definitely some things where it's like outstanding, like details and stuff but like for the most part that was a complete story and that was this but there were like several like things that could definitely be big plot points in season two um you could tell they were they were gunning for that but that was on their mind that they made this perfect show and they were like of course why wouldn't we why wouldn't we get a second season i don't know Oh, the show. It's just, I mean, uh, they were good episodes, but they were just good. Like, not a whole bunch happened, I don't feel like. Um, But it was just good. It was just well done. They just, it was the right amount of conflict for, like, an arc that was clearly only going to last, like, one and a half episodes between... um. Ken and Luke, um, Luke being upset that Ken was dating his mom. Like 
it, it was it was what? it was resolved in a very believable way, like at a very, very emotional, heartfelt way. Um, I think it's clear, too, that that's not actually what Luke is upset about. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, that's, yeah. that's the thing he lashes out at, because that's the only, I think, thing he feels like he can control in that moment. But that's definitely not the thing he's upset about. Yeah. And we see this a couple of times from Luke where he kind of lashes out at people and it's like, this was such a minor thing. This was not, he's getting like so, so upset trying to edit the footage and, and Tyler, who we know his, his friend who can't read very good. Um, he's like really getting frustrated at past Tyler for, for botching the lines. And it's like, this is not, this is not what you're mad at. This is not what, what is, you know, giving you the feels right now. If you've ever, done a film project everyone is there on set everyone's there when it's time to film everyone's excited to have fun no one is there to help you edit no one wants to help you edit um and it's a beast it's a lot of work it's a ton Mm -hmm. of work and so he's frustrated with that he's frustrated that things with kate have gone so off the rails he's been like consuming these tapes that his toxic shitty father made and kind of growing attached to this idea that his dad is someone better than he thought he was. But then also as the tapes go on, realizing that his dad probably actually does suck actually. And like kind of wrestling with that and like still consuming these tapes and hoping that they're going to be better again, but they just keep getting worse and his dad keeps like getting shittier And, like, all of that is coalescing into walking in on his mom with another man, which, like, is awkward. It's going to be awkward. Mm -hmm. His mom walking in with the principal of his new high school. Like, it could not be worse. Yeah, and his ex's dad. Yes. Yeah, so, like, him lashing out there makes total sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, like, you, you... completely feel for for Luke in that instance and again hats off to the actor he's incredible he does do an incredible job all of his uh like very upset scenes he does exceptionally well with um and like yeah like you as the viewer like okay he's in the wrong here but like it's so heartbreaking mm-hmm. yeah it is Absolutely an overreaction to the scenario, but it's hard to be upset with him because, like, you, the viewer, are feeling everything that he's going through. They they did a, an excellent job of just, like, stacking this house of cards that is Luke's emotional state, and uh, you understand why it's falling apart there, and you're like, oh, no, oh, Luke... But um, you also feel a lot of sympathy for the character. Mm-hmm. I love Kate calling him out. Yeah. Yeah. Like, she she did not do it in an, like any sort of aggressive way or anything. Uh, she's just like, you're going through a really hard time right now, and I recognize that. But so are the people around you and it's not fair. Yeah. Your emotions are not the only emotions at play here. And I need you to understand that. And when you're 13, that is hard to understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, like to, to take it to its, its extent of just like her confronting Luke about this thing, you know, kind of like, just letting him know, like, hey, you, we need to talk. You need to talk to me about this. Like, come on, we're going to go someplace. And her just, like, fully laying the smack down. Like, you have fucked my dad over right now. And he's all I have left. So, like, get over yourself. Like, like this idea of, like, protecting your parents. And I think we, we, we see this in media a lot from, like, the perspective of, like, a boy saying like, Hey, you, you've treated my mom bad. And then like, you know, being aggressive and violent is like applicable. The idea of like, you better treat her good or else I'll kill you. Like that, that is like so saturated. But the idea that this, this young girl would be so attached to her father and her, and her father's happiness that like, it's just not something you see very often, but it is so well done here. 
It's so wholesome. Yes. The, I care about both of them so much. I care about all of these characters very much. The breakup was brutal. Of yeah. Kent just being like, I've never fought for my happiness, but like, I'm willing mm-hmm. to here. And. Mm-hmm. Which was still not like, it's still not pushing past boundaries in an unhealthy way. Like even no. in this moment with Ken where like he's had people walk all over him and just said, okay, great. Thanks. Has have a good day. Like even in this moment where like he could have been like super toxic. He like, w- like it wasn't like totally like, respectful. He yeah. just stated his case. And then when she's like, no, like I need to hang up. He was like, like, I don't necessarily agree, but like, that's your decision. Okay. Yeah. But, like, he still, like, stated his case and, like, put mm-hmm. himself out there. Right, right. God, so it was rough. It was rough. Him being, like, I got to be the principal today. Like, yeah. that, that was rough. There was a, a scene <sighs> in the last episode that mirrored the scene in the first episode where Kate said to her dad, like, please just treat me like a normal kid. Like, you're the principal, and I'm just a normal kid, and I'm not your daughter, and we're going to go through the whole year like this. And then after this very emotional breakup where Ken is very clearly not okay, uh, Kate is trying to, like, comfort him at school and, like, figure out what's wrong. And he's like, I just need me to, I just need you to treat me like the principal today. You're a regular kid, and I'm the principal today, okay? Mm. Mm. So there, uh, yeah. Oh. Can like, and then to to like bring it back to like a very very amazing Ken Mesner moment when at the after party for the uh, movie he goes up to the DJ and uh, <laughs> he requests the <laughs> breakfast at Tiffany song, which is the one that he was dancing to uh, earlier in a very, very nerdy way. And the DJ's just like, nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> it was very good. Sherry and Luke's relationship is also just, like, so, so pure. And mm-hmm. their conversation about, like, we're still a team. And we're on each other's side, but we're we're not always gonna like be a hundred percent open, and that's like a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like they laugh about how Kent is, or Ken, I keep calling him Kent. How Ken is like a bit of a dork, and it's it's real cute. Yeah. Um the the fact that she was willing to break up with this guy who she genuinely really cared about and genuinely wanted to continue a relationship with just because he was upsetting her son in a way she didn't understand was like the most powerful mom energy I've ever seen. Uh, I, I don't think most people, even most moms would do that. And it was clear that, uh, Luke was overreacting there and she clearly thought he was overreacting as well, but she was still willing to like give up her own happiness to make sure that her son was happy and comfortable and like, Oh boy. Yeah. What a good mom. And even, and even in that, like, like Ken does like say like, Hey, you, you, you don't talk to adults like that. Like da 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 da, which like that was, you know, that was whether or not that was right. That was definitely going to set Luke off. Um, mm. But even like in the phone call when like, Clearly, the reason that they are breaking up is because of Luke. Ken is not sitting there saying, like, we can't let these kids, like, make our minds up for like, you know, he's still being respectful of the dynamic that Ken or that Sherry and Luke have and saying, like, like, this is special. Like, I want the kids to be a part of it. I want them to, you know, have have a say in this. It's just like it's it's. Oh, Ken is just. Everyone is just the dynamics and the relationships and like talking about the things that are happening. Like, because, of course, it's a TV show and like it behooves you to like narratively talk about the things that are happening. But like, it's just so real and raw to like really delve into these complex dynamics. Um, Probably because of 
my own life shows with heavy like parental relationships that like are a big part of the story don't really hit for me anymore um mm. especially like uh because i have opinions about how they're written and how they're done um they're usually bad yeah they're usually bad and they're usually like the 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 parents get an easy out typically like yeah. fucking loved rocket man but at the end of the movie he just like forgives these abusive people in his life for like no reason and like it really made me mad um moonlight phenomenal movie i don't think he should have forgiven his mom spoilers for moonlight from like 5 years ago and like yeah. who am i to tell like one of the best movies in the last 10 years how to write its ending but as a as a viewer that didn't work for me um but like yeah these family dynamics and these relationships feel very genuine. They feel very real. And all of the emotional moments are earned. It, it, it all, it all worked really fucking well. Um, and that's, that's, I feel like rare. Why can't people have conversations and be emotionally vulnerable with each other and respect each other? Why? I just mean in general, uh, in real life. I just mean, yeah. not not in this show, I'm not criticizing the show, I just mean like, right. why can people not have relationships that are this uh, wholesome and supportive? Because support uh, is gay, Evan. It's super gay to be supportive. Fellas, is it gay to like women <laughs> and also respect their boundaries? <laughs> oh. Yeah, it, it, the show definitely felt like it was missing... Not that I missed it, but it was missing that toxic element that, like, is just woven through every show, everyone, like, intentionally. And it just didn't have that, and it was fine. Yeah. There's so much, like, relationship shorthand that shows use, and it becomes so, like, cartoonish when you compare it to something like this, so... Like, even the the dynamic between Emmeline and Oliver. Like, if you are only paying attention to Emmeline's story, like, Oliver is absolutely horrible. And to some degree, Oliver is not good. Oliver's not great. But because we get to see Oliver's perspective and get to see, like, just, like, the complete campiness of him, the complete just, like, like a caricature of, of like, I'm moving to New York and making it big. Like, it, he's, it's, it, it makes him multidimensional it makes him a good villain early on and then a excellent excellent like mentor later in this story and kate's still good and kate's still like the or not kate emmeline is probably like still one of the best characters in the show and like the fact that like we are rooting for oliver doesn't make us dislike emmeline and vice versa and it's just it's it's very it it revels in its complexity I loved Tyler's exit from the show where like he feels like he just got shut down by like these girls and he walks over, picks up the Oliver jacket, puts it on. He's got like a stupid t-shirt and like fucking basketball shirts on, but he puts on Oliver's jacket and like pops the collar and puts on some like bad sunglasses he got from his mom or his sister and like walks outside to like, feel his emotions and like god damn if i hadn't been that kid at some point in high school like i'm gonna go feel my feelings outside because no one's felt these feelings before but me loved it very good i do wish he got like a bigger moment um because a lot of his um i feel like mcquaid got the bigger moment which felt weird because mcquaid was not a character in the first four episodes right i would much rather have that time I, I was just saying I don't care as much about McQuaid. Uh, yeah, please carry on, Ronnie. Well, it's it's that was something that kind of didn't work for me. Where it's like I understand they're setting some things up for season two, but it's like, are they setting McQuaid up as like a villain in in season two? Like, is that is what it, it felt like? Yeah, like like he's gonna like be like like if if I am drawing like the natural line of how that story usually goes, McQuaid becomes like a huge homophobe in season two 
And it's just like, you know, rallying against like, oh, you know, you can't be gay because you should be with man. And that's man is me. Um, and it, it just felt odd that they didn't in a show that really like took care of these loose ends, that it would let that loose end get to that point to him, like walking in on, on Kate and Emily and kissing in the auditorium and not just like like the, like Emily walks past McQuaid and after they have their kiss scene and after, you know. He decides that he likes her and she kind of calls out to, to everyone like, oh, McQuaid here. He's a great kisser. Like that would have been a perfect opportunity to like lean in and be like, hey, like it's it's not for us. Like we're not like meant to be, but like I'll, I'm going to be your ally here. Like I'm going to make sure that like sophomore year McQuaid is just like a real ladies man. And like and, and then we have a new amazing dynamic there. I just don't like how it's like. We, we are like, it's the only time where we're made to feel like, oh, no, but w- McQuaid and Emily would have been cute. But Kate and Emily was like end goals. And like, it just it, it didn't it didn't feel very I guess it felt somewhat authentic because that kind of thing just happens. But it, it didn't really flow with how the show was kind of positioning these characters. For me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It the the McQuaid stuff didn't didn't quite land. I I loved seeing McQuaid like excited and giddy and like, oh, what am I gonna wear? Or what am I gonna ask her? Or, like, how am I gonna how am I gonna talk to her? Like that was good. And I think that like letting him down a little softer than that, you know, in a way of just like because like he has multiple opportunities to like be this this you know real real smooth talker later on what i would have liked i think is if instead of him like sitting in the hallway being sad is if he had like a hero moment and stopped other people from walking in on them and he let kate and emily have their moment i i totally thought that was gonna be it was kind of gonna maybe not go exactly that way but like him just kind of ken mesner it being like hmm Okay, well, like, I can't be mad about this. Like, there's nothing I could have done, obviously, different to make the situation work out in my favor. So, like, I'm going to just, you know, be a fan of them. And it doesn't, it didn't, that didn't happen. Yeah, I think they were trying to set up some conflict for season two there. Uh, It was more obvious with, like, Luke's dad and with uh, Kate just stopping short of coming out. Like, it's. Those were more obvious setups for season two. I think the McQuaid thing where he knows about Kate and Emmeline and no one else does is going to be a a, a conflict setup. So that's fine, I guess. But they also worked so hard to like make the Tyler and weird Christian girl a thing. Yeah, that kind of popped up out of nowhere. <laughs> I like that Tyler did not engage. Yeah, yeah, I like that he was just like, okay, bye. <laughs> She's like, I don't have any friends. And he's like, sucks to be you. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, it, that that was like a weird dynamic that like, again, I wanted Tyler to have more of a time at the end of this episode or at the end of the season. I feel like the way that the writers were clearly crafting it, it would have been like, you know, I like that it wasn't it wasn't everyone's like, oh, and it's a Shakespeare play. Everyone's paired off at the end. Like it's it it, it was like these loners and, and, you know, they're still these are still outcasts at the end of all this. You know what I mean? At the at the end of this, McQuaid is still a nerd who is in love with someone who won't be in love with him. Tyler is now like outcast to like where he's Oliver without like kind of the smoothness that made Tyler or made uh, Oliver popular. And uh, Luke's mom is dating the principal. So like they're all just a little bit worse off than they were when they came in freshman year in uh, from a, like an outside perspective. But just like the whole movie, they, they are all better for have loving. For, for, for having, having love, the loves yeah, they yeah, had. yeah, 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 yeah. It's true. It's a good <sighs> movie too. Oh, I'd enjoyed that movie. So, do we do our season two pitch? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do the thing. Sounds like you got one. 
I do a little bit. Hit it. Um, really, the only character that I care about is Oliver. So my season two pitch deals a lot with Oliver. Um, so Luke's dad shows up. He goes to. Does he knock on the door? Do they show him knock on the door? Yep. Okay. Well, I can't take that back. Uh, so he, he, he knocks on the door, but he leaves. He runs away without them seeing him. And, uh, it is, he then like approaches later. It's now the summer. He's like trying to reinsert himself back in the light, the, the life of Sherry and Luke. And obviously he's gonna like butt heads with Ken. Um, I think he really connects with Kate though. And I think Kate comes out to him. Okay. And it becomes kind of this weird dynamic where like Luke is like, no, like my dad's not a good dude. And like he's trying to insert himself into this weird new family dynamic while it's still forming and like you can't trust him. Um, I think just as the summer ends, we get a scene mimicking Luke's dad arriving to town with Oliver coming back to town. Having, uh, but it's not like a cool motorcycle. It's like, I don't know, like a bike or like one of those like <laughs> shitty motorized bikes, mm-hmm. but it, it very much mimics the, the shot. Like it's the same like angle and stuff. And, uh, just as school is starting back up, he has to repeat senior year now because he did not finish it. And so Emmeline is now a senior, uh, Kate is a junior Luke is a sophomore and Oliver is a senior again. And like Oliver is throwing in. Uh, new dynamics to the like Emmeline Kate mm. relationship, and I think Oliver is really going to like bond with Luke. Yeah. Um. And, and so just like Luke's dad is kind of inserting himself into the family dynamic, and like has uh, when I say like weird, I don't mean like predatory, but he has kind of like a like a, a fatherly role with you know. Kate as Kate's kind of hanging around the, the the house with Sherry and Luke and, and you know, Ken and stuff. Uh, Oliver is trying to reinsert himself into the Emmeline relationship and, like, is using Luke to try and, like, insert his way in and, like, relationship drama happens. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I guess Tyler could also fill that role because Tyler and Oliver had a, a close relationship and, like, you know, Emmeline is kind of part of that friend group now. But uh, I wanted to give Luke some 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 chops to work with. Um, I don't know shit to do with like McQuaid. Uh, I guess he's there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's my that's my season two pitch. I I think I would like to go to New York and witness like what this you know time is like for Oliver there. Oh, yeah, I think I, I have an episode, an episode of, sure. like, because I, I want, like, two or three episodes of, like, the summer before the yeah. school year starts, and then I want, like, one Oliver episode, like, encapsulating his fucking train wreck of a summer mm-hmm. of, like, mm-hmm. just being miserable in New York, and then, like, uh, the one episode ends with him coming to town, and then the next episode is the train wreck of him in New York. Yeah. Uh, That's yeah, good. I... I also think that New York is going to chew up Oliver and spit him out. I actually, I, I think I called it last episode we recorded. I, I said that he was going to be back before the end of the season. I was wrong. He's not back. But surely, very soon, he's going to, uh, like, come back and stumble off a bus, and he will have been, like, <laughs> mugged. The, and the, the prodigal son eating pig slop, realizing that his father's servants eat better back home. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Exactly yeah. that. I I interrupted Ronnie's pitch. Oh, sorry, so go ahead. I'm going to cut you off. No, no. Like, go back to this, Ronnie. That's I was see my 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 thing is is that I want to see Oliver in New York, and I want to see the relationships he develops there, and I want to see like the like the meat grinder of of the the teen theater scene there that he just cannot hang with, um, and and what that does, but. Part of me also like that. That's my season two. Part of me n- feels like this Oliver, this Oliver that we know. I really doubt that he made it to New York. To be perfectly honest, 
<laughs> like, I think he, like, got off the bus somewhere around, like, Michigan, and he's just like, shit, I'm out of money. I gotta, I gotta make enough money to either get back to Oregon or to New York. He is a pretty twink. I do think he could find himself, like, uh, a sugar daddy out in sure. New York. Sure. He's a teen. That's, he's the theater scene. <laughs> he's like 17 or 18, though. Yeah. This is problematic. This is not. The actor is not. But yeah. Well, no, yeah. But this is a show about high schoolers. <laughs> yeah. This is not a season two gets want. real, gritty. real dark. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he, he finds a, a washed up theater writer and it becomes his muse. I'll write parts mm. just for you. <laughs> uh, I, I would very much like to see. Uh, Kate get a, a gay, an older gay mentor of some kind. I don't think uh, Luke's dad, Lester, slots into that position very well. I frankly hope that when he turns up, Luke and Sherry just like turn him out on his ass and are like, hey, we're living get, our lives without you. We're happy. Get Please the fuck leave. out. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe we get like an episode or so of him trying to like, sort out his relationship to them, but at the end of it, they're just like, fuck off, actually. You had your shot at being involved in our lives. You cared more about your art and your filmmaking, and this was a um, a thing that Luke pointed out very specifically as he was introducing his movie, is that in his dad's video diaries, like Andy was saying, they start off uh, very kind of like sweet and wholesome where he's just like, yeah, my kid is so great. I'm so excited to be a dad. And Luke's like, oh, wow, maybe my dad wasn't an asshole. But he gets kind of broodier as his video diaries go on. And he says like, yeah, you can't let anything get in the way of your art and your artistic vision. You can't let friends or family stop you from realizing your artistic potential. And, uh, like, Luke roundly rejects that. He's like, no, you can only be your full potential, like, with the support of people who care about you. So this, you know, this is for my family and my friends. Um, so, like, clearly Luke has, I, I don't want to say he's emotionally gotten over his dad. I don't think any child will ever emotionally get over, like, you know, their parents in a, in a holistic way. But, uh, I think Luke has really learned what he needed to learn from his dad through these video diaries and realizing that his dad's outlook on the world was wrong. So I don't think that there's really room in his life for Lester to like reinsert himself. Uh, I do think Kate, needs like an older gay mentor like a, a I would ideally like to see like a you know an older gay guy who's just like gonna gonna help her understand queer culture and is gonna help her understand coming out and and stuff like that I like that idea very much mm-hmm. it's very good I don't want uh Oliver to have a sugar daddy, but I was just like, yeah, I guess if Luke brings his sugar daddy back from New York, <laughs> I don't like, I don't actually like that plot point though, to be clear. Um, no, that was just riffing. That was just I us know, having fun. Sure. Listen, listen. One thing we didn't mention because we, we've hammered it so hard. Um, and it goes without saying is as the music continues to be good and like on the nose, but still so good. Where when all of the um, the the actors the the characters are kind of like dealing with the sadness that like has like overtaken them, um, the uh, Verve pipes freshman plays mm-hmm. over a bunch of freshmen lamenting how their senior their, their first year of high school has not gone good. It's just like it's 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 drippingly melodramatic and it works so so well. It's a good song though, and it's also a good song. I was also, jamming to it. Also, 90s music was, by its very nature, on the nose. Yeah, so, that's fair. That's fair. That was Evan's go-to-bed alarm. That was my good boy's go-to-bed alarm. 
<laughs> well, well, on that note, uh, I guess that what happens next is uh, somebody has to pick a show that we do next. Oh, yeah, I guess. I was so caught up in the euphoria of enjoying a good show that I forgot Who that we'd have this? to do another show. Uh, this was this was my pick. OK, listener pick next. All right. Oh, perfect time. Vote on the Patreon. You, for you to... Ve- no, you don't have to go to the Patreon. We're keeping this open. Oh, is this still open? Do I don't know yes. the rules. I'm sorry. I'm, we, we, no, we, we are putting... Still, yeah. Yeah, we're putting certain things behind the paywall, but uh, suggesting shows has always been a, uh, a free-for-all. So so send your... We, we've definitely gotten some uh, excellent, excellent show suggestions. We'll look through those, but send in more. This is the part of the show where I, I do, I want you to tweet at us and, and, and contrary to some other people's opinions, it's, it's, it's real. Please tweet do, at do us. Tweet, yeah, us. Tweet, tweet, tweet at us, please. Tweet at us, um, uh, at penning pod. And you can, uh, follow us on Twitter there. Follow us on Facebook at penning pod. Follow us on Instagram at ending pending. Uh, send us an email, penningpod at gmail.com. We've got excellent emails talking all about the shows that people want to do, and we love it. And we will we will definitely be covering all of those shows eventually because uh, time is is meaningless and is not our master, and we shall overcome and be podcasting for all eternity. Um, uh, as we mentioned, we do have a Patreon. Check out patreon.com slash WTM radio. That is where they may radio consisting of ending pending and our good friends over at force friend rewatch. Yeah, we, we run this one this time. So we yeah. actually get the money from we will this get one. the money this time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which you, you think would go without saying, but 20, 2020 was a hell of a year. Y'all. Um, uh, sent, right now we have a, a bonus episode there as lo- as well as, uh, as some, some fun, some pet, pet picks, some pet picks. Um, yeah, go check that out. I'm going to um, put up some more. I saved some good ones yeah. for you. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's almost March, which means it's almost time for another pet pick dump. Um, so get over there, send it. You can get all that for $2, but there's other tiers you could take a look at. Uh, Patreon.com slash WTM radio. Um, what, what do we say? What do we say at the end of these? Give me my money, Biden. Yeah, oh, Give me my $2,000. Goodness gracious. Truer words were not said by Biden. We're getting political. You thought we only swung at you thought we only swung at the right. We, we, yeah. We'll swing at the. Remember when the, we begged the, the you slightly all slightly closer to us, right as well. Remember when we begged you all to vote for Biden. Yeah, it's a punk ass bitch. It's still the you right did thing the right thing. Yeah. yeah, you did. Thank you for voting for Biden. He's uh, not good, but he's it. Things could be worse. Bye-bye. Bye bye.